That's better than this. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday episode of the show. Kyle, welcome. Hello. Big Uglies Day today. Some offensive linemen talk. We're trying to check all the boxes for everybody. And dude, like, the draft is less than a month away now. What is happening? It's coming at ludicrous speed. Not that I would expect you to understand that movie reference, but it is traveling here at ludicrous speed. I thought the first thing out of your mouth was going to be something about Jalen Phillips and how good he was at his pro day. Oh, my goodness. It was a good day to have the take that Jalen Phillips was the best defensive prospect in the 2021 NFL draft. Certainly confirmed the physical ability that you saw on tape. The reason he was the number one high school recruit had a legendary day. I certainly missed the combine, but my goodness, this guy was exceptional at his pro with the numbers he put in. Did you see that? I'm going to bring TikTok into the fray here, and I know neither you nor Chris partaking TikTok, despite my best efforts to get you guys to consume TikToks. Maybe if you send different stuff, we... Well, no, no, I no. Just, I, I consume I, TikToks. They're just not the ones that you send. <laughs> <laughs> we have a running group chat. And let me tell you, how many consecutive TikToks have I sent without a response from either one of you? I just scroll. I find the weird stuff. And I just drop it in because I got to chuckle out of it. And I think maybe they will too. We're up to eight. Uh, it is eight in eight, a row without Joe or I messaging back. And if you take, if you take away one you, Joe comment, it's like 11, 11. over the course yeah. of the last three weeks. So yep. I, uh, 12 of the last nothing. 13 unresponded to? Or 11 of the last 12? Uh, ten, uh, yeah. So appreciate you guys partaking. But did you see that TikTok? Of the girls running at 19 miles per hour on the treadmill. No. Chris, did you see that one? No. It was like some girls athletic team and they were all running and they, they're doing sprints and they jump on and it's 19 miles per hour. They, they're getting progressively faster. And each one of these girls is huffing it. But the one girl just looked different. Like head might as well had a string tied to it that had her attached to the ceiling didn't move at all. Everything was just straight line effort. She looked like a gazelle or a, a cheetah out on the Serengeti, just pounding this treadmill at 19 miles per hour. She was built different. She was running like a Terminator. And my point here is Jalen Phillips running that 40 yesterday looked exactly the same where it was like, looked like he rolled out of bed and did it. It was that natural. And yeah athletic tools for days. He's got amazing tape as a pass rusher. I don't know what you don't like other than of course, the medical questions that he had and the, the situation of him leaving UCLA. Can we also address quickly Javante Williams running a four, five, eight, and somehow people losing their minds over that brother. That's exact. I expected Javante Williams, North Carolina running back for him to run somewhere in the high four fives. That's exactly what he did. Nothing changes here. Josh Jacobs ran a 4-6. Alvin Kamara ran a 4-5-6. It changes nothing in the evaluation. Didn't Clyde run 4-6-2? Something like that, yes. And he was 
a first round running back. So like, I just did not understand the fallout that came with him running the exact same 40 time that people should have expected him to run. Can we pour one out though for Daz Newsome? Him not him running the same 40 time as Javante Williams <laughs> is a concern. And no, none of his tests were good. His jumps weren't good. No, I thought his he had shuttle, okay agilities. Were they not bad? No, or, no, they were not good either. Wonk, 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 wonk. He came in small. I was crushed. Yeah. Michael Carter had the really good agility numbers, like crazy yes, good agility. Numbers. Like That's crazy like, good shuttle times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so anyway. we're talking, yeah, big uglies today. Kyle, what's the concept here? Is this the guys that we have first round grades on, you and I? Uh, just look at the top of the offensive line class. Kind of an update on these guys. You know, we obviously have our respective grades. Uh, we have cross-checked. A lot. About 20 guys right now. By the end of the week, we'll have done about 25 cross-checks. If you forecast us out to the draft, we'll have cross-checked between 35 and 40 offensive linemen. So we'll have a pretty good feel on the class, and that doesn't even get into – the guys that we scouted regionally uh, yeah. that aren't included amongst uh, the, the cross-check process that got late day three grades. And we'll have a couple guys that we'll pull up from that uh, to make sure we get eyes on because they got a little bit of buzz. But we're pretty comfortably into the top of this draft class for offensive linemen. And yeah, Joe, I think it is interesting because we, we were talking yesterday about you know, the ramifications of San Francisco moving up to three and Cincinnati came up and we're like, yeah, we're we ready for this team to take chase and pass on Penny Sewell and the Dolphins traded away from three and <laughs> seem to be more than willing to let Penny Sewell go. And I think that's maybe a good place to start because Daniel John Raya is a good example of somebody who's in the know with the league that is kind of teased that the league's not as smitten with Penny Sewell as so many people were for so long. Uh, in the summer and fall and winter. Why do but you think both that our, is? our consensus top offensive line? Yeah, I think he's a special offensive line prospect. And I don't know if it's just because is like he generational though, man, I, those are, those are, that, that's a tough fr- uh, label for me to put on anybody. I think he's a top Don't five freeze. caliber offensive tackle prospect that should go in that range in any draft. He's not going to go into top five in this year's draft. Probably. Right? No. No, I don't think he is. Is it because he didn't play last year and so there's like distance and he's forgotten a little bit? Because this guy, what he did at 19 years old at Oregon was pretty doggone special with, I mean, he's 6'5", 325 pounds, how he moves laterally, his power, his ability to get out in space, how he puts people on their back, how loose his hips are to hinge and pivot and redirect. Like, I don't know what's missing other than he didn't play in 2020. Did you ever settle on a comp that you liked for him? Trent Williams. I had Laramie Tunsil. And the reason I settle on Laramie Tunsil is because I do think there is a reasonable chance that Penny Sewell comes into the NFL and experiences a little bit of some growing pains, much like Laramie Tunsil did. Uh, when Laramie Tunsil first got to Miami, he was somebody who played inside at guard. By the time he got outside and played tackle, there was a lot of erratic reps. Uh, you could tell how physically talented he was, and I do think that's something that's worth acknowledging with Penny Sewell. 
He's not the most technical offensive lineman in this group. Uh, I would say, Joe, he's probably the least technical of the top five offensive linemen on our TDN consensus rankings. Okay. And that's a testament to just how athletic he is and how physically gifted he is and how dominant he was that he was still, he's still our consensus number one offensive lineman and our consensus board for TDN scouting staff, the consensus number two player in the draft. But if you ask me, you know, is he a better technician than Rayshon Slater? The answer is no. Is he a better technician than Christian Darisaw? I think my answer is no. Well, and I would throw Elijah Vera Tucker into that. Maybe you disagree well, with me. No, I, I agree with that. And also okay. Tevin Jenkins as the top five consensus. There's at least an argument to be made. I, I don't disagree with that. So but, I think that's where the root of maybe the perception versus the reality of where Penny Sewell is right now versus what he's physically capable of being is why the league is more gun-shy. Isn't that weird, though? How often do you hear about once the coaches get their eyes on these guys that they believe they could coach them up to get them to do the things that they need them to do within their, you know, within their techniques and in, within their scheme, but you know, that the unteachable traits? Like To me, this is classic. Like, Sewell, yeah, maybe the technique's not perfect, but I can't believe that coaches aren't, oozing over this guy thinking about what they can develop him into. Well, I think that's only applicable because you, you have to look at the teams that are picking quarterback, quarterback, quarterback question mark with another unique. And I would say closer to being a generational talent in Kyle Pitts relative to his own position than Penny Sewell. And then you've got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati who, yes, need offensive line help, but they just recently invested a first-round pick in Jonah Williams, and, and that wouldn't stop me from drafting Penny Sewell. But you also have Joe Burrow who's campaigning for Jamar Chase. What are you going to do? Well, let's, let's do this. Let's do floor ceiling with Penny Sewell. So what's as high as we can see him go in the draft? Four. Where's, okay, so high as number four to, to Atlanta? Yes. As low as – come on, does he get by Dallas at 10? No. So somebody could move up for him. You know, I know that there's still going to be a quarterback left on the board. But, I mean, even Carol, if Carolina misses out on a quarterback, how do you not pick Penny Sewell? They like, haven't replaced Jordan Gross from 2011, man. Just take him and don't look back. Do you realize the Carolina Panthers have had a different primary starting left tackle every single year since 2011? I remember you sharing that with me, and I did not believe it to be fact. And then it turned out to indeed be fact, and my mind was was blown. It didn't change this year after <laughs> the Russell Okung situation and, and what went into it. So uh, they have been uh, they've been rolling the dice when it comes to left tackle. If you want to roll the dice, you got to check on. Ooh. Got to check out Bet Online. Wow. This is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, 
and it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. What a segue. Yeah, man. Wow. I got chills. Yeah, there's two really good ones that I've had transitioning to bet online. So, so is Penny Sewell, in your mind, still going to be the number one offensive lineman drafted? Predictively, <laughs> predictively, predictively. I honestly think so, Kyle. I, I really do. As do I. So, is number two then, because if Penny Sewell slides a little bit, theoretically, say he gets to eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that range. I think the next name off the board becomes very interesting. And our number two rated offensive tackle is Christian Darisaw. I don't think he's, he would be the next. No, Slater. But is there not an argument to be made that if Slater and every other offensive lineman was on the board for the Chargers at 13, could you not see them going a different direction other than Rayshon Slater? Yeah, because I think they need a left tackle. Right. And so I, don't, if, I don't know that the Chargers would draft Slater to play left tackle. So you think that they could have Darisol or, I mean, Cosme, something like that, somebody other. Right, they, they could get weird with it is all I'm yeah. saying. And I don't, yeah. think it's, I don't think it's open and shut. You know, I know there's a lot of buzz for Slater and his technical skills and being versatile and being able to play all five offensive line spots and – you know, maybe Slater, I, I would say, with the odds being in his favor, is the next guy for us to talk about. But I don't think it's open and shut. I feel like the Giants are a sneaky team for Slater. Kind of. I believe Patricia Tranium mocks uh, Slater there with the locked on hosts. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he could play guard. I think he could play tackle. I mean, Nate Solder's coming back, but. You know, they have Andrew Thomas, Matt Pertz there. I mean, they have options, but I think they could look at him as a plug-and-play guard, step in for Kevin Zeitler. I think the interior of that group is pretty shaky. So if if Gettleman feels like he's addressed the skill positions in free agency, which he probably has, and he doesn't like an edge rusher that's available at 11, and he's not in on Parsons, like, don't tell me Slater's not in play for the New York Giants. So let's talk about Slater a little bit. We talked about Penny Sewell and his dynamics of being so overwhelmingly athletic that it masked a lot of the warts in his game. And obviously he had the disadvantage of not playing in 2020. Well, Rayshon Slater also did not play in 2020. But he has the luxury of tape against Chase Young to go back and point to and say – Here's how I handled the number two pick in the NFL draft who over the final six weeks of the NFL season, his rookie year or whatever it was, flipped the switch and became a monster rushing the passer. So that, that's kind of the resume game for Ray Sean Slater to point to. And, and there is a great deal of evidence regarding his technical skills. So biggest issue here is size. Yeah, 6'4", you know, 33-inch arms. I mean, that's, that's the tw- below the 20th percentile for all three of those measurements. 
you watch the tape, though. I mean, I, I, I really like his explosiveness in the box. I like him in space. I think he's got good lateral mobility. My question with Slater is just like, dude, why are we giving up the B gap so often? And some guys figure that out and other guys don't, right? Yeah, For every Brian O'Neill, there's a Jason Sprint. Oh, I knew you were going to say the name. Listen, you, you don't – we're good. We're good ah. on it. So that's my question with, with Slater. That literally, that's it. I just didn't like how often he gave it up because it's like, dude, I, I feel like you've got the redirectability. Like, I don't question your lateral movement skills. You're just oversetting. Did you see him breaking down protections on no. the whiteboard? It was a video that came to, out on uh, social media. So yeah. that would have been something to send me, man. Like, you know, uh, it wasn't in TikTok form. Yeah, Sorry. That oh. over the TikToks, Kyle, is I no. think the recommendation that Joe is giving. I you. will that drop you work related content in Slack, but our group chat is dedicated to unwork related content. I refuse to budge on it. Well, then Joe, you can't put unwork related content in Slack. That's the promise you have to make. So if it's in Slack, I need to know it's serious. Yeah, bet. I'll do that. Okay. All right. Joe, I have not really heard your thoughts on Slater playing center. I never assume a guy can snap. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do we have any, <laughs> do we have any examples of this guy doing it? Has he we ever played say, center? We say they can, and, and because he has positional versatility, if he can't end up snapping, you know you're going to be able to play him at guard. But do you not think his most high-impact yes. position is yes. at center? I agree with you. Under the assumption okay. he can snap. I'm looking at his snap distribution. For his career, 783 snaps at left tackle in 2019. In 2018, 1,048 snaps at right tackle. That's it. No other you know he, So you know he can play either-handed stance at the very least. I do. But can he put the, his hand on a ball and, and you know push it between his legs too? He's got the, the traits. He's got the traits. <laughs> it's funny. You know, it's, it's some of these guys, like I think about Eric Wood. I think about Frank Ragnow. Those guys are better centers than they are guards. It's like, how is it easier to play when you're snapping? Right. It's an extra layer. I played a little like middle school center. I hated it. Especially in middle school, they just put the biggest human being that they have on their team right over top of you, and you're trying right to exchange the ball. Yeah, it's yep. terrible. And I'm, you know, I, shotgun or under center. Oh gosh, no, we didn't do shotgun when I was in seventh and eighth grade, <laughs> brother. <laughs> we were lucky to pass the ball three times a game. Um, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. If he, he can play center, dude, I love it. I love that idea. I think he can for pin and pull type stuff, man. Yes. And as a, like a, and even just, in zone zone concepts yes. to yeah. stretch and work out and cross face on three techniques and stuff like that. Like that's where I think he can really, really shine and get play side. So we both have first round grades on him. Uh, what's the floor and what's the ceiling? Ooh, I like this. All right, so I am going to the draft order. <sighs> you, could, you could access the draft order on the Draft Network's mock draft machine if you ever need it. And if you're ever in the market for offensive linemen, you can draft offensive linemen with the mock draft machine over at thedraftnetwork.com. And if you're feeling lucky or you're feeling risky, you woke up feeling dangerous perhaps, and you want to wheel and deal your way up the board, courtesy of TDM Premium, you can do exactly that. Trade functionality, 
accessible in TDN mock draft machine, courtesy of TDN premium. But that's only one of the features that TDM Premium affords you, as well as 400-plus trait-by-trait scouting reports. These things are like over 1,000 words long a piece. We ground the tape so that we could break it down and, and then give you our template on what we saw in players and then formulate your own opinions from there. The TDM Premium Expert Slack channel, in which there's 1,000 football fans, diehards that are chatting it up every single day. Uh, it, it really is a great experience. Uh, Benjamin Solak's got contextualized quarterbacking coming out here in the not too distant future for 2021 NFL draft prospects. It's his charting project on quarterback prospects. And that is a TDN premium feature. So $30 for the year or $10 a month, not a math guy, but it's a great deal to get yourself signed up for the annual plan and make sure that you can stay plugged in. You sign up now, you're going to be plugged in for the vast majority of the 2022 NFL draft as well, all in the same payment of $30. So TDM Premium, the Draft Network, check it out. I think I have the ceiling and floor for Slater. I'll be interested if you agree with me. Okay. I think his ceiling, and I know this is aggressive, Five. but if the NFL truly thinks he's OT1, and that's a real thing, you're right, five to Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't I think like his, it, but I can see Right. His floor, 14 to the Minnesota Vikings. What if Vera Tucker's also there? Could you, could you feasibly see them drafting Vera Tucker over Slater? Yeah. I, I mean, but... So then that's not the floor. We got to keep going. Oh, you're nuts. The Cardinals at 16? I know they just traded for Rodney Hudson. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say 16. Because that gives you the Patriots there. I don't think that – I mean, they certainly don't need any offensive linemen, but – Right, and if you get down that far, you, you, you'll really open it up for somebody to trade and come get you. Yeah. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So Christian Darisaw? Yeah. Seems as though we're a little bit higher on him than league consensus, however. I'm okay with that. Um, 6'5", 314 pounds. Kind of a, a sleeper coming out of high school. Didn't have a whole lot of opportunity. Winds up latching on with Virginia Tech. It was like his only major offer that he got. And I really appreciate the growth with Darisaw. I, I studied him pretty extensively in 2019. Uh, you know, for our summer watch into 2020. And I, I didn't think super high of him. I thought he, his tape was really inconsistent. I didn't see him have much of a motor. I thought he played, he didn't play up to his, like the strength that I saw at times, just very inconsistent. Didn't like his body control or balance. And then I think the, the, the switch flip for him this year. And I, I recognize that there were some moments where he was in cruise control. I think that's fair, especially against, some of the lower tier competition that Virginia Tech played. But for the most part, man, I saw a guy that when he was down blocking, man, he would crash down the whole damn line of scrimmage. I, you saw multiple blocks per game where this guy was, as the play is elongating, just getting way down the field and connecting with moving targets. And I think he's got length. I think he's got really powerful hands. And I don't really question his mobility. Um, so if he can stay dialed in and, and 2020 is the norm, I really like what he can offer as a left tackle. And 
you know, not a lot of guys are able to start at Virginia Tech as a, a true freshman at left tackle. But Darisaw did that, and um, I think he got better and better. Let me ask you this. Comparatively speaking, there was an offensive tackle from last year's class who had the switch come on for him in his final season, Makai Becton. Yep. I would not put him in the class as Becton as a prospect. I would be interested to see how you compare and contrast those two as powerful builds, powerful style of play. Obviously, Darisol is not as big or anywhere near as what big as what Makai Becton was, but similar kind of pathways and trajectories where they were established starters who really only flipped the script in their final season. Really different players, right? But I, I see where you're going with that. Guys that you had questions about, and then the way they played their last year, it changed everything. Kind of left no doubt. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly right. I mean, the way that they elevated their play, we weren't even talking about Becton. I remember I was at ACC Media Day, and I went up to Eric Wood, who former you know, Louisville offensive lineman. I was like, hey, man, tell me about Becton. I've heard some buzz about him. He goes, Tease goes, dude, the only thing I know about him is that he's really big. You know, by the end of the process, we're talking about a first-run offensive tackle, right? So um, I think the, the similarity is that they, they both elevated their game to a level that left no doubt uh, about what they're capable of at their ceiling. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Darisaw is the freak that Becton is in terms of size, power, movement skills. But, you know, I think the, the parallel there for me is just elevating their game in that last year and, and removing the doubt. So, Ceiling for Darisol is ceiling for Darisol. 13. 13. The highest Darisol can go is 13. You don't think, Philly, there's a chance with rolling the dice with Dillard at left tackle again here? No. Okay, then I'll agree with you. The ceiling is 13, and the floor is 20 Bears. Maybe they like a different offensive tackle, 21 Colts. I'd say 21 Colts just to be safe, but you got three picks in a row there with Washington, Chicago, and Indianapolis that'll be offensive line needy teams. Raiders at 17 as well. And then I think his absolute floor is Pittsburgh, right? right? Like if things get real dicey, Pittsburgh, 24. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts, from hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is that amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar. 
Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and they're having a tournament with all the flavors, and we're getting towards the end here. Today's matchup is a big one. Toughest, toughest matchup yet for me. Cookies and cream versus cookie dough chunk. I literally have two boxes of each of these in my pantry right now, and I just go back and forth. I'm rotating because I think, I think these are the two best flavors. This is easy. You have, you're going to say cookies and cream. Yes, I am. I'll go different. I'll go cookie dough chunk, but they're, they're, they're both amazing. If you want to get on, in on this and you want to vote, go to builtbar.com or find them on Twitter to vote for your choice in today's matchup. And remember, use our promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order over at BuiltBar.com. Kyle, I know there's a few more offensive linemen we want to get to here today. Devin Jenkins, Oklahoma State. Yeah, let's, let's put the bind on here and say consensus draft dude's first-round offensive lineman. Yeah. So that is just Tevin Jenkins here. So you and I only had four. Consensus offensive lineman between the two of us, yes. I got to – so once we get through Jenkins, I got to ask you about Vera Tucker and what, what you think is missing here for him not getting that first-round grade for you. Well, what's, what's, game 84. I know it's really close. It's really close. I know, and I'm not, I'm not doing the whole – why doesn't Kyle like Elijah Vera Tucker? Because I'm sure he's a top 20, 25 player for you in the class. That's a good grade. You like Vera Tucker, but I loved him. Uh, survey says he's 26th. Yeah, okay. I think he's I have the top second 15. highest play. He's the second highest player to not get a first round evaluation for me. Okay. So leave Jenkins, me alone. No, I'm not. I just look. I'm let me live. He says it from a, a, a Batman cave looking background. You can't I don't see know. him. It's he's getting darker ominous. and darker in there, right? I mean, what's yeah, going the on? Lights is, Where's the Joker? But there's just no light in the room, and he's saying just Where's Vera Tucker? I'm concerned about you, Kyle. <laughs> what's your grade on Vera Tucker? First round. <laughs> Not for me. Oh, wow. See, I don't know if you're Batman or that guy from Chicago PD. You ever see this show? My wife has it on 24 no. hours a day. No. No? I, Nobody knows? No. Great. Sorry. Great. So let's a talk pop about culture Tevin reference that I'm alone on. I, talk about no man's land. Sheesh. That All right, tells you how pop culture of a reference it was there, Joe. That's more yeah, correct. That, I don't think that really makes it a pop culture Come on. Most people reference. know Chicago PD, if not because their wife is constantly watching this, right? That okay, guy, Chris, that's the Twitter poll for, for today's show. Uh, Got it. Done. Poll. Christ. Is do you watch Chicago PD? <laughs> No, I, I literally don't rolling. watch Chicago PD, but I, it's on enough in my house that I know who this guy is. And he talks like that. Oh, we will phrase it as in my streets. Have you ever heard of Chicago PD? Come on. Come on, Shub. Well, you don't, you don't have a woman so, that lives in your house. So, that, that, so anyway, Tevin Jenkins, <laughs> Oklahoma State, right tackle. Uh. If he had 34 and a half, so I think he, there's a lot more excitement about him. Than what does I he have? He has 30, I believe he has 32 and a half inch arms. No, are you kidding? So I, he's like right on the, the threshold cutoff for many teams to play offensive tackle at the next level. I got I to gotta know how long his arms are. I got it right here. I'm telling you, they're like 32 and a half. 33. 33. 33. Okay. Okay. Excuse me. 6'4", 319, 33 inch arms. 
This dude is mean. Nasty. He plays a mean, nasty, mauler, smash mouth style of ball, and he will throw you out the club. And I absolutely love that dynamic about him. And I think he's probably the – would you say it would be appropriate to say he is the meanest of the first-round offensive linemen? Without a His doubt. style of play. He's one of the meanest football players I've ever watched. Like, the, just total disrespect for his opponents. Which is amazing because you see a picture of him, like, candidly, and he looks so unassuming. <laughs> and then you watch him play, and it's like the tiger got out of the cage, right? And he just – he is relentless. And I love that about him. Now, from a functional athleticism perspective – I don't think he has great range in pass protection around the outside. So there may be a little bit of a scheme specificity, you know, teams that want to hold the ball and push it down the field. Maybe not going to be a good fit for them. But I think of a team like Pittsburgh, you know, if Pittsburgh wants an upgraded offensive tackle, they have a quick strike or quick rhythm timing passing game right now with Ben Roethlisberger. If they want to extend that and, and maintain that style of play to a certain degree, Tevin Jenkins is a perfect stylistic fit. Dude, give me Tevin Jenkins next to Quentin Nelson in Indy. No, it's not well, fair. With John Taylor and his four sub four, four speed coming behind that Christ, you're done. So, but, but I think he's the best run blocker of the class. Oh, here, can you talk about this? I think this is a key talking point with Jenkins. You mentioned this phrase with him in our scouting meeting, gravitational pull. And it really painted the right picture for me. Yeah. So he, because of his hand power, his strike timing and his comfort, once he's established his hand to maintain blocks, his gravitational pull is plenty sufficient in that he maintains his blocks in space instead of linebacker scrapes over the top P you're climbing up there. You kind of punch at him a little bit, but that defender continues on his way. It's like, no, if he gets his hands on you, it's over. And, and he has a really plus gravitational pull as an offensive line. One last thing I'll say about Jenkins. If you're going to watch Jenkins or, or you have, and you you have questions, the game you have got, to get to is the West Virginia tape because that's the one that made me feel really comfortable with him being able to handle wider alignment rushers to be able to hit that really steep angle and cut them off. You got to watch a West Virginia tape. It's, it, it, it's very revealing for a lot of the questions that I had in some of the other games that I watched. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. Okay. Breaking news on the podcast. All right. ESPN's Adam Schefter. Buffalo Bills announce Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York will be the new naming rights partner for Bills Stadium. Effective immediately. The home of the Bills is now Highmark Stadium. It's going to be jokes about that, right? No, no, Chris no. Is not this, this is not wee woo worthy. This is not what guy. are you talking about? This is definitely wee woo. No, it's the name of oh, a building okay. in a stadium where they play, okay? Uh, I'll I got Joe's blessing. That's all I need. Joe, real quick, ceiling and floor. Tevin? Tevin? Yeah. Uh, ceiling, ceiling, I think, is 17. Really? Raiders. Oh, to the yeah. Raiders. That's a great fit. Stylistically, uh, it's a great fit. 17 to 24. Steelers are 24. 
I'll say 27 Baltimore in the event that they trade Orlando Brown. Oh, even, even if they don't put him, put him at right guard and let's go right or left guard. I know they have Zeitler. Okay. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. A little offensive line talk overviewing the first round consensus draft dudes, a little bit of a preview to battle of the boards, which is coming up uh, later in April right before the draft. So that's something to look forward to. And when Joe and I tear each other's respective big boards to shreds, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks as always for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. We got three more shows this week, so make sure you come back. See us again.